0: Humanity Against Disease. I am here with guest Jose Moore, and I am sans Cavita Chapla today, but we'll try and bring her in uh, later through the magic of editing. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Jose, can you tell us just a little bit about what you do?
1: Yeah. Can I give you give you a little window as to what I did to, to <laughs> the preface to why I do what I do now but for a number of years majority of my adult life I've just been involved in hip hop culture in fact last 30 years been involved in hip hop culture and as a vocation from early 2000s to about 2010 as my main um, source of income so touring um, you know uh, recording records and and uh, doing shows that sort of thing was my livelihood mm. Fast forward to domesticated Jose Mm -hmm. in the in the most beautiful sense of the of the term, having a wife and and children and figuring out how to um, continue in what I know. Pretty, pretty thoroughly and, and do it in a way that doesn't keep me away from my family and is a little more consistent, you know. So, yeah, now I am the executive director and founder of All of the Above Hip Hop Academy, which mm-hmm. in essence is a, a mentoring program through the medium of hip hop culture. So it's one part preservation of the culture one part mentoring one part support and a platform for for youth to be able to navigate hip-hop culture and find their voice and Mm. you know um there's all sorts of sorts of attributes to being involved but yeah just just utilizing the culture and engaging in the culture in a way that 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 benefits young people in our scene you know okay
0: so it sounds like in part The seed came from wanting to take your passion for hip-hop and blend it with a more sustainable lifestyle that's not touring all the time and having to to leave your home base behind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sustainable is loose. (laughs) Mm. I think think the sustainability has been the lifestyle change in terms of just being more present, Mm. being more here being more rooted in my local community, mm-hmm. which I found so much joy in doing that. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a paradigm shift, but one that I feel is more conducive to where I am in life and, and uh, aligns with my core values, you okay. know, a little more tight. So
0: yeah. Awesome. All right. So one thing I wanted to get into a little bit, I think a lot of our audience, including me, may be kind of ignorant about the foundations of hip-hop And what does it mean to you and how do you think it can bring people together and and be used for positive change?
1: Yeah, so so the phenomenon that is hip hop culture has always has always brought people together. You know what I mean? Like like originating in the South Bronx, you know, early 70s, uh-huh. late 60s, early 70s essentially was just a response to what was happening, the despair, the 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 lack of resources, the the lack of oversight, the the abysmal You know, power structure and political structure and climate of the time, especially in the South Bronx of New York City, you know, youth began reclaiming their humanity through through dance, okay. through, through aerosol art, through block parties and you know this that sort of thing, mm-hmm. toasting and kind of emulating what they saw James Brown or Cab Calloway do or The Last Poets or Gil Scott Heron do on a yeah. microphone in support of a DJ who uh-huh. was just spinning at a block party for the community yeah. out in the open, you know what I'm saying, in the parks where people were hearing the music and coming and vibing and, and enjoying the, um, the scene, the uh-huh. space that was created as a pop-up. You know, it's it's creative space making or place making at its finest. Hmm. You know what I mean? And from that, just kind of like those are the building blocks and just building off of those platforms that were very much engaging a community in real time with real people in real spaces, sorting through and navigating real pressure. Hmm. You know what I mean? So when I when I look at the foundation of the culture and I look at, you know, some of those needs are still being unmet today or we're not reclaiming the culture in a way for us means to utilize it in a way to bring people together in a real way, in a real like tangible, like let's get together and talk about life, let's mm-hmm. let's let's sit down and let's cipher and rap and make beats and, and do graffiti and break dance and celebrate this this art form or the beautiful expressions of the art forms found in hip hop mm-hmm. and also build on life kind of tie it in to a more holistic approach to to the culture and unpacking the benefits that come through a more intentional experience, especially between the generational gap of old and new, mm. you know, participants. You know, so old heads is what we're usually referred to. If you have a little gray in your beard, I'm an old head. Yeah. And, these, and these youngsters, you know, there's been, there's a lot of, there's a lot of there's been issues, you know, between the two generations where, you know, almost disrespectful slash irrelevant kind of undertones, mm. you know, between where the older heads are just like, you know, what you guys are doing it all wrong and and the younger heads were like, "You're irrelevant now. So why are you saying what you're saying to me?" And we feel like there needs to be more of an intentional effort to bridge that gap, mm-hmm. and keep keep the scene intact, and also that we are doing our jobs as mentors and mm-hmm. and folks who who um, see the deficits and and value the, the the progression that the youth are making in the culture, mm-hmm. but also tying it together with kind of more of an intentional approach to add perspective, counsel community mm-hmm. support love and information mm-hmm. to the preservation and the progression of the culture and the people who participate in it you know mm-hmm. yeah
0: oh great yeah it sounds like it's a really rich palette to work with when you're trying to uh, reach out and and form connections and I like the idea that you have this very clear intention of using it for mentorship and for the sort of vertical connection over the years, because it seems like it's a very fast moving culture. Yeah. And from somebody who's more or less an outsider, it seems like sometimes the new ideas just spring up in the youth and, yeah. and they're always the ones driving it. Yeah. So it sounds like you're hoping to, to take that and integrate the, the best of the old ideas mm-hmm. um, rather than let it completely arise de novo.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I am I am I am big on analogies, so I'll I'll paint a picture for you if you will. So in cuisine, right? Mm-hmm. Take Mexican cuisine, right? There's staples. There's things that will that you kind of, you know, expect when yeah. you go out for, you know, uh a Mexican food, specifically Mexican food, there's, there's certain things that are staples in that cuisine, tacos, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You will get rice and beans, you know, even the variations of tacos, you know, a more traditional taco with just the, the meat, cilantro, and onions, you know, and then you have the, the sauced up version with, you know, <laughs> lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, special sauce, whatever, you know, you have yeah. these variations. There's always room for progression. There's always room for progression. And there, we should also celebrate the staples. We should also celebrate the foundation. Mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so i'm not saying that we uh one thing is more hip hop than the other i'm okay. not i'm not here for that argument we i don't try to take up that argument with our youth that we serve and mm-hmm. work with Instead, I'm saying let's paint a bigger, broader picture and learn from each other. It's a pedagogy in a sense, you know, yeah. where where I am the facilitator of this learning experience, but I'm very much engaged in in learning from the participants mm-hmm. as much as they are learning from me. So it's this reciprocal experience where I'm learning from the younger heads, and they're they're learning from me as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, I like those analogies because you know when it comes to food, it's like there's certain things, and, and the kids will agree too. They'll be like, yeah. "Well." You know, if we're talking about like something that's something that's made to be digested quickly, doesn't have a whole lot of nutrients and it's just like it does the job, it's quick and easy. You can talk about pop culture mm-hmm. and how these machines are pumping out music and material and tacos and Big Macs and <laughs> quarter pounders, yeah. you know what I'm saying, just for consumption, yeah. you know, and just to do the trick, you yeah. know, to satisfy the craving. But not necessarily give you the nutrients all the time. You know mm. what I'm saying. And so we use these analogies all the time around, especially around food, because everybody can relate. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah. I love. It. It's fun to unpack with our kids because you see them, you see them get excited about these new concepts and and do their own spin to it. You yeah. know, in more of a modern or new way. And what you come up with is 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 brilliant, man. It's great working with these young kids, man. I love it.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So what are some of the challenges you've faced so far as both as an artist and as a community organizer with all of the above?
1: You know, uh, I, feel, I feel like some of the challenges early on were just, you know, the, the flip side of the coin of what I just said, you know, stepping into spaces, feeling like we had all the answers, you mm-hmm. know, because AOTA, all the above hip hop academy was birthed out of this, like, I, I recognize an issue between the, the, the generations in hip hop and I feel like they're doing it wrong. Hmm. And we got to go and educate them. We mm-hmm. need to inform them on how to do it. Yeah. So a lot of our experiences were just very much, very top-down approach. Like, we're just going to inundate you with our philosophies on hip-hop and, gotcha. you know, community. And as, you know, opposed to allowing it to be reciprocal. So I think that was a lot of our own our own issues in the beginning have been just ourselves. You know, living in a, in a city like Lansing, Michigan, where there's not really an industry for music. There mm-hmm. is a scene, you know, that is... It's yeah. kind of been in largely, especially in hip hop, has in the past been really codependent on MSU mm-hmm. and the revolving door there. Yeah. You know, so you'd have like a group of students who are all about it. You know, let's let's push it, let's push it, and they're gone in four years. Yeah, and without passing the baton, you know, the culture kind of like has to start over again, or the scene has to start over again. Yeah. Um, but there are there's a lot of like you know legends who have been here mm-hmm. and have done their thing here and have branched out into other cities, other markets because. Again, there just hasn't been a a scene here. But we have a lot of legends that have have been birthed and bred here in Lansing. Now what we're trying to do is create that bridge between the newer generation to those legends Mm -hmm. and to the current participants and kind of encourage and provide for a more sustainable, ongoing scene and culture in Lansing where folks can benefit from the culture, Mm -hmm. keep it intact, build on it, elaborate on it, and actually own it. So it's not in the hands of of those kind of coming through the revolving door of graduates at MSU. So um, yeah, the scene, uh, just just our city, our climate has been kind of an issue trying to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, 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 between ourselves and just the size of our city, those are those have been kind of the the two main things that have been tricky to navigate, mm-hmm. but. We've also, as of recent, seen a lot of support with the, with the new mayor, and um, and, and his uh, his council and his his folks, um, really getting behind and seeing uh, and seeing to it that our, our efforts to um, build into the creative climate in a more sustainable sense here mm-hmm. in Lansing that those uh, initiatives succeed so that's been that's been crazy too so yeah although it's a small city and we get in the way of ourselves it's mm-hmm. it's, it's great to know that we have support with folks who can cut a lot of red tape for us you know yeah.
0: that must be huge it's yeah. great
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah and kind of building off of that what are the biggest results you've seen from this sort of intentional stewardship of the scene since you've you and your collaborators have started to
1: make your moves we've seen support from you know academia. You know, we've seen support from MSU schools, you know, community centers, parents who are who are deathly afraid of hip hop mm-hmm. culture as they see it. Yeah. And are are looking to, you know, maybe at one point in time loved it and were very involved and it was it was their language. It was the voice of the teenage angst and yeah. in, the, in the in the youthful rebellion, you know. And I think I think parents who know where where it can go, you know, and the and the and the philosophies and ideologies you you can subscribe to, in hip hop, and yeah. where it could take you. I think folks just have been just intimidated, but you yeah. know you can't stop something when when you want something when when youth are craving it and wanting it, and they're like, no, this is this is me, this is what I want to do. This and you kind of have this conflict as a parent, like, well, I see that you're passionate about this, but I don't even know where to send you or how to support this because yeah. I because I have conflict with it you know for them to find an organization like all the above hip-hop academy that is like hey we raise our hands in terms of being the ones in our scene and in our culture who will be responsible for raising up the next generation of Mindful hip hoppers, you know what I'm saying, whether they yeah. go on to make records or go on to be physicians or veterinarians or doctors or l- lawyers and you know politicians, whatever they end up doing with their lives, you know their experience in hip hop culture can be dynamic and and be uh, pivotal. In in shaping their trajectory and their perspective and their worldviews altogether, you mm-hmm. know, so um, that has been that's been amazing watching that come about, you know, yeah. seeing the forward motion of the cultures, um, you know, uh, the the opinion, the public opinion, or, or the the general consensus uh, in terms of the capacity for hip hop mm-hmm. begin to develop, change, and and broaden. That's been amazing that we we've been a part of that, just yeah. advocating on hip-hop um, hip hop education, hip hop activism, you know, hip hop mentoring, you know, without bastardizing the the culture, yeah, but it, but keeping it intact and at the same time capitalizing on on the ingredients that are already there, yeah, and accentuating those benefits. So that that has been the hugest part, you know, in terms yeah. of being involved in this, that we could say, hey, that's we, we, we we're a part of that.
0: Awesome, know? it's great. Are there specific achievements so far that you feel like you're most proud of that you point to and say that's that's what we're trying to do?
1: Every kid that we, you know, that we see light up in, in class and get it and tell their friends about the program and mm-hmm. our and our beat making classes or our rhyme writing classes or our, our breaking classes, you know, to see the communities begin to develop, mm-hmm. you know, like right in front of our faces. We know kids at Sexton high school kids at eastern high school kids at everett kids dewitt you know uh east lansing high school we know that outside of games football games basketball games or having mutual friends you know sometimes these these high schools that are no more than five to ten minutes away from each other are very disconnected oh, you for know sure. what i'm saying and the co- and, but we're finding as we're in these high schools there's so much talent there hmm. there's so many kids who are finding their voice in some expression of hip hop hmm. culture and f- to be able to tie these communities together, to say, hey, we'll do a class or we'll do a workshop at your high school, but then we'll take that to the Blue Owl Coffee Shop yeah. as an open mic and saying, we encourage all these high school members to come out, build with each other, develop community and camaraderie amongst each other. Mm. So quite literally helping to build the scene, like serving as the adhesive or the glue to tie these young people together to create a scene they can own. Mm. You know, yeah, that's been that's been huge. Awesome. Really, really enjoy being a part of that. You know, awesome. Hopefully, I answered your question, man. Yeah. Like I just go. <laughs> so you got excuse
0: me. Yeah, no problem at all. One thing I want to make sure that we throw out there is what sorts of opportunities do you guys make available in the Greater Lansing area, and how should parents, mentors, and and kids and adolescents who want to get involved, how should they find you?
1: Yeah, so they can go to alloftheabovehiphop.org. dot mm-hmm. org. Where they can, you know, they can email us through that, or you can email us at aotahiphop at gmail. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we we run breakdancing classes for mm-hmm. youth every Thursday at the Cadillac Room, though Cadillac Room here in Lansing. Mm-hmm. Again, you can contact us, and then we can get you plugged in there. We're starting a residency at Reach Art Studios. We have another. Sp- uh, which will be our bars program beats and rhyme sessions okay. so you know quite literally teaching kids how to make beats and how to write rhymes and mentoring them through the process mm-hmm. and we plug them into our weekly event happening at the Blue Owl Coffee Shop there in Rio yeah. Town um, and just trying to generate community culture and community that that uh, that ties in the youth mm-hmm. and some of the uh, some of the elders in the community and culture too mm-hmm. you know but yeah the best way to hit us you find us on, on Facebook all of the above Hip Hop Academy our um On Instagram, AOTA Hip Hop, Mm. and then you know, as our our web our web addresses, all of the above, Hip Hop dot org. Yeah, best ways to get us. We're the only ones so just all right. You start typing in all of the above, will pop up. Awesome. Yeah. All right.
0: So, another question I had for you is, uh, who are your biggest inspirations, Mm -hmm. your role models, and
1: (laughs) my biggest role models, man. I I, I I got I got quite a few of them, you know. Sheesh. Are you talking about a from an artistic standpoint or a, a, academic or, or social justice or like what are some there? Oh,
0: Let's go with from a social justice standpoint and we'll go from there. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think the first person that kind of t- like, you know pops into mind is a good friend of mine here in Lansing, Tashmika Torak. And she leads the Firecracker Foundation. I'm really inspired by her work, you know, working to provide resources and opportunities in healing and therapy mm. to youth who have survived abuse, okay. sexual abuse in, in, the, in the broad spectrum of that. I'm just inspired by her She's just relentless with it. She mm. goes and gets it, makes it happen. And so locally, I mean, I have a lot of a lot of people I look up to and a lot of people that I that I'm inspired by. But you know, her name pops up right away mm. in terms of somebody locally that I could look at as an example yes. of of how to do this well and to do it right mm. and keep the main thing the main thing and fight for it and yeah. collaborate, find allies, find resources, find money, and and really just do it. Yeah. You know, make an impact. Yeah. Nice. nice. Big up Tashmika for respect. <laughs> yeah, thank you.
0: All right. And yeah, it does sound like you've got a lot of people you look up to. Do you, from a, an artistic standpoint, can you point to anybody who really set you on the path to not just performing as a hip-hop artist, but taking it in the positive direction that you have?
1: Yeah, yeah, man. So as a, as a youth and still... You know, my my faith has always been like a big part of my artistic output, and mm-hmm. my my creative outputs. And it was always it was always centered around people, always centered around justice, always centered around <laughs> truth and accessibility and power to the people and and empowerment and that sort of thing. You know, and being a part of the bigger picture. You know, at the end of the day, who who do I you know? who am i accountable to type thing like yeah. it's not just me on the island of to my own but i've always in my art have been mindful of of being a, accountable you know in my faith to god and also to my community so that was mm-hmm. an easy transition and not even a transition but an extension okay. of my disposition was like you know it's not foreign for me to be accountable to somebody yeah. you know what i'm saying i, I that's kind of like in my in my in all of my artistic expression, there's always been an element of that. Gotcha. And so being able to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this for my for my community or for the people or for those who are downtrodden or those who are underrepresented or misrepresented, I want to be a voice. Huh? You know what I mean? So, you know, artistically, I came up in scenes where that was kind of a common thread, you know, mm-hmm. going on the road with uh, all sorts of artists and, and traveling and kind of meeting people cut from the same cloth and fabric. Yeah. Artists, is too many to announce, but in an independent hip-hop scene, mm-hmm. you saw a lot of folks, especially on the West Coast, you saw a lot of folks who are about social justice and utilizing their platform to speak on things that were happening uh-huh. um, in our communities. And so, like I said, this is the names is too many to announce, yeah. but locally in this region, uh, folks like One Below... You know what I'm saying? Go by one man army of binary star. Um, Always had mindful music and did it so well. Hmm. Creatively, one of the best MCs I know and and and, and incredibly intentional about the use of his platform and his words. Hmm. You know, uh, the black opera folks here. Gosh, on the West Coast, Crown City Rockers were a lot the percussions back in the day. My crew, lightheaded, braille and omega watts. You know, the list goes on and on and on and on. So many people. But I've always just been impressed and inspired by folks utilizing their platform to do something important and bring to light issues that are important. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Great. So what are your goals? What direction do you want to take this in going forward? It sounds like you've made a ton of progress Mm -hmm. uh, in the community, gathering support, reaching large groups of people. Is there a next step? Do you want to just keep doing this and see how it it grows? Are there any, any things that you haven't yet launched that are brewing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So right now we're very mobile. And we keep we're intentional about that. Keeps the overhead down, obviously. You know, as resources, are. I wouldn't say they're scarce, but you got to get. You know, you got to seek them out. Sometimes they're tricky to find, but yeah. we're getting them. And and we're so we're so thankful for the support we've gotten thus far. In the future, we imagine. You know what the YMCA is to health and wellness and and sports mm. having. A similar situation, a facility starting locally, regionally, maybe nationally, internationally, Hmm. moving forward, where you have these hubs and spaces where you can plug in... Hip-hop activists, educators, participants, artists, philosophers, and, um, you know, journalists, you know, designers, yeah. you know, dancers, all of you can, t- you can kind of create these communities in spaces, physical brick and mortar, yeah. where you can come, like a hip-hop rec center, you know, that's organized and put together in a way that it can be sustained, not only from a financial aspect, but also from a cultural aspect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean where there's accountability where there is camaraderie and healthy community, you know. And that's we're, we're planning that out. That would be huh. a little bit down the line, but you know in the meantime just generating the movement, building on the momentum we have already mm-hmm. and uh, at some point in time, yeah, having having physical brick and mortar that we can that we can set up in a way that we can replicate and integrate into various different communities and scenes across the states yeah. you know, and beyond, maybe.
0: I can see that being absolutely huge. I mean, the idea of third spaces is something that's definitely in the the zeitgeist. Mm. And I, I love the idea of the third spaces in our communities being more about making and less about consuming. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's something that you'd be able to achieve with this.
1: Yeah, yeah, man, it's it's a uh, it's exciting to think about. You know, I, I'm you know I'm up all day. This is all the potential and possibilities of of all of the above, Hip Hop Academy, and what our what our community is doing and will do. I think about these things twenty four seven. You know, so. Um, yeah, it excites me, man. But you know, trying to bite off only what we can chew. Because at the yeah. end of the day, it's it's, it's quality over quantity. We yeah. Even we, that approach in how many youth we serve. You know, we don't we don't measure the success of our programming by how many kids come in contact with us. We measure it by the lives and the trajectories that are uh, that have been impacted and, and redirected or changed, or the amount of growth and and realization our youth, you know come to their own conclusions on behalf of. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. they they decide for themselves they want to make music that's like this or they want to speak on issues in their community, Mm -hmm. although culturally it's it's so countercultural to do so at at large. You know what I mean? So these are the things that inspire us. These are the things that, like, keep us motivated to do it and are largely... How we define success? Seeing seeing things change around and turn around for the good. We love that, man. So awesome. if it's if it's ten kids or ten hundred, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, we're we're just moving forward, you know, a little bit by little bit. Great. Yeah. All right.
0: So, being that this is the podcast against disease, I feel that we should talk about mm-hmm. some of the health. Let's talk about it. How we can uh, plug health in with this? For sure. So, I mean, it's pretty clear from the discussion we've had so far that the work you do has a lot of potential for good in the health of communities and people. Yeah. How do you feel that, that we could help you? What do you think are the biggest unmet needs of the kids, teens, and, and families that you work with from a health standpoint?
1: You know, that is a complicated question with a very complicated or layered Answer. That's I fair. Believe. I think some of the issues we see in our community stem from things that have nothing to do with the issue, mm. um, and more to do, <clears throat> or with the issue of. I mean, I guess yeah, they fall in the category of health. Yeah. They also are are tied into accessibility, yeah, uh, uh, power, resources, uh, legacy. You know what I'm saying, so on and so forth. Social justice issues, socioeconomic issues, equity issues. Yeah. So it's layered. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can um, that we can begin to unpack, and that's and that's and we are not the the professionals in all of these things, you know. But I do see I do see accessibility being one of the core. The core accessibility and education Uh uh, on, 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 on the benefits. Obviously we're in the business of culture creating, you know what I'm saying? And that is an uphill climb. Mm. So when you are trying to expose or explain or convince someone or a group of folks or your community of the benefits of something that countercultural and isn't accessible, but is worth worth being a part of although the results aren't immediate. Yeah. That's that's difficult. It's difficult. You know what I'm saying? But it's necessary. You know, we I believe culture kinda carries a lot of things. It, It it's where it's where sustain it's where you don't have a pop up and it does good for that week. And then the weeks preceding that, you know, nobody shows up. Yeah. You know, that's a cultural issue where it's not of high value in the culture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I think that's it, you know, um, creating a climate and culture where, 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 where things are celebrated, acknowledged, understood, and also accessible. Those are, those are some of the main, some of the, some of the main issues I see in terms of what the, what healthcare can do. I mean, make it, yeah. In, in the world of accessibility, we know like, you know, healthcare is expensive, you know, For and, sure. and yeah. that's another, <laughs> another world to unpack. But, education information and the utilization of platforms to articulate the values yeah. in in or the value in in considering our mental and physical health is really important right yeah now. it's so important right now yeah
0: yeah and that's what one of the things that I think is interesting about a lot of these more culturally integrated practices I feel like our culture is very fragmented as a whole where like something I talked about on one of the earlier podcasts is that exercise is always, you're either in the gym exercising yeah. or not. Yeah. And I feel like that's very unnatural. Whereas you have something like breakdancing that people aren't, they're not thinking that they're about to go exercise. They're doing it because it's right. something they want to do, <laughs> right, right. but there are physical <laughs> right. and mental health benefits. And I wonder how we could do a better job promoting a lifestyle that integrates these things naturally
1: mm-hmm, instead
0: mm-hmm. of necessarily saying, Okay, now we're gonna take a twenty minute break to be healthy and then get back to what we were doing. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's and that's exactly how we promote it. Like when we say, you know, you're gonna be a better MC after coming into our course, it's not that we're gonna give you a five step plan of like boosting your bars and being yeah. better in the booth and having a better stage presence and that sort yeah. of thing. We 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 articulate it as a lifestyle thing, you yeah. know, as you're if you're a B boy, a breaker, a break dancer, you know, or a B girl, you know, or just a breaker, you know, it's it's a very much a lifestyle thing, yeah. you because know, you can't perform what you want to achieve or you can't accomplish what you want to achieve if you're Eating poorly, not exercising, not stretching, yeah. you know, not practicing, not getting your muscle memory together by spending time, yeah. you know, the same way as you developing your your capacity for articulating ideas creatively and artistically on the microphone or you know uh, in your writing, you can't do that without spending an absorbent amount of time practicing. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying so it's outside of the classroom. It, it uh, yeah, it definitely spills over into your life, your lifestyle. Yeah you know so yeah in hip-hop it's all it's all about lifestyle you know they marketed this lifestyle lifestyle marketing they know it they know that you know if you only view hip-hop in in certain spaces you know i'm saying it's one you could you could do that six you know you do that semi successfully in saying that uh hip hop is for the clubs you know mm. and so therefore we put club music on your top radio station all day every day because hip hop is a club thing yeah. you know what i'm saying it's like so now you are where we were we push push back on that is saying no hip hop is health and wellness it's yeah. it's it's party you know what i'm saying it's it's Identity—it's yeah. your personal, your personal story. It's there's room for all of this in the spectrum of hip hop, holistically. Yeah. You know, so we are also fighting the culture of you know hip hop is one dimensional, even within our own culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope I'm answering your original question. And yeah, I not too anything. deep in the weeds, but yeah, it's it's just important that we are that we're mindful of these things so that we can achieve our you know our our end goal in 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 in, in seeing it kind of permeate various aspects of our humanity and of our experiences, um, opposed to being compartmentalized and thus being not effective in doing all that it can do. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And I think any kind of lifestyle change, and that's a lot of what we talk about on the the show is I I like this idea that if it can be subservient to something that is its own end, Mm -hmm, that, that makes it so much more powerful Mm. because it's, I mean it's easy to stop running if you don't see a result, for example. Yeah. But like you were saying, if if your exercise is there to serve your creative expression, I think that it becomes something much closer to what we would call ego syntonic.
1: Right. Uh, Buy in. Yeah. <laughs> like like I'm in. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: So yeah, I think being able to provide a space, even if it's a metaphysical space mm-hmm. for for this culture and to tie it all together into something that happens from, you you know, the moment somebody wakes up to the moment somebody mm-hmm. goes to sleep is, it's got a lot of potential.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Culture, lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle marketing. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Let's see.
0: And one of the other aims of, of humanity against disease is to bring people in healthcare, whether they're nurses, PAs, doctors, allied health of all kinds, and people who are professional humans, but not in healthcare. Um, <laughs>
1: professional, yeah, like
0: that. How do you think we can bridge that gap? Uh, it seems like uh, we may have started to get at, at some of this, like you were talking about access. yeah. And I, I feel like we in healthcare don't always do the best job of reaching out and getting our heads out of the hospital and into the community where the – the person who might be a patient in ten years could make a small change instead of having to come to the hospital and have a major operation or have to be on a course of medication that they wouldn't have needed.
1: Yeah, well, you know, like <clears throat> restoration, progression, uh, meaningful impact, long-lasting results is all—it's all messy work. You know what I mean? It's one thing to prescribe somebody something that will, you know, alleviate or or. Somehow, you know, help with the symptoms or with the pain or with the thing, but it's like looking a little bit deeper. I think it's a it's a collective effort for these things to happen. I think more partnerships between healthcare and uh, from the pharmaceutical aspect of things, or even from the you know physicians aspect of things, and the mental health. Uh, resources that communities have and the extracurricular after school programs and the you know the libraries the schools the the mentor programs the colleges i see i see more interaction and more collaboration across and integrated with within this broad community of health mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and wellness and development kind of having unified plans of attack on how to do that better and more efficiently and more effectively. And, and not for immediate results, but for the long term benefits and outcomes that will be uh, substantially better than, Mm -hmm. than what we're, what we have right now. You know, right now is the culmination of all the years prior to this and, and uh, of folks like, trying to move or push the needle towards something better. You know what I'm saying? And we still are looking at a society that's, you know, very broken. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And communities that are very, very broken and underserved and under-resourced and X, Y, Z. So how do we move the the needle forward to to do better and have a better future? Well, that's, that's a collaborative effort. That's all of us working together. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like the medical world just collaborating more with folks to... To provide the resources in a way where, and make those connections between the benefits of you know what folks are already doing. So, for instance, if we're to the to the idea of a, of a b boy class or a breaking class, you yeah. know what I'm saying. We have kids that are there or families and folks who are there already because they want to break. Yeah. They want to learn how to do the moves, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the hook. That's the catch. That's yeah. the that's the buy-in. I want to learn to flip or I want to learn how to windmill or spin on my head or all that, right? If we started a session off with somebody, you know, or had like a, a practitioner come in and just explain the health benefits you, do you know that when you do this, this is happening? Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Do you know that when you engage in this, your mind, you're creating neural pathways that will benefit you to make those connections and yeah. to educate more. I feel yeah. is important. So to piggyback off of the points of interest yeah. and to and capitalize off of that that magic that happens because engagement is the hardest part. Yeah. If you can engage and then give nutrients, you know what I'm saying. It's like ah man, you just you just gave me all kind of vitamins in that spoonful of sugar or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying. I think that is that is a creative way to do it. Yeah, without. It absorbing, you know, ninety percent of the of the class. Yeah. But there's tasteful ways to do it. And I think. I think we as um, as community leaders and and folks and leaders, especially in hip hop community, figure out ways to to better tie that in as segments, as little brief intermissions and interludes of potent pieces of information and and a, and a resource to the folks who are already bought into what they're engaging in. They came for the raps and they got a little bit of like. Mm physical and mental health and wellness along with that. You know what I mean? I think that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like there's an abundance of teachable moments there. Absolutely. And we just need to see where it makes sense. There's a lot of, of rich soil that we can throw some seeds into and, and help people grow.
1: I think we live in a time right now, too, where, where hip-hop, it's being validated in a different light too, Mm -hmm. you know, um, for Harvard to, you know, have the program and the, and the, in the situation happening there where they are, they are really celebrating hip hop culture, Mm -hmm. um, in a way where, you know, you have modern day Shakespeare's, you know, we talk about literacies, you know, what is, what is literacy? You know, how do we define whether or not someone is literate or, or illiterate, you know, and how can we Better evaluate that. What are some other metrics we could use to figure out, you know, where people are in the on the on the literacy chart? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And looking at hip hop as a, as a valid mode, as a valid medium to explore intelligence, to explore literacy, yeah. to explore you know even self exploration. You know, so it, with that in mind, I feel like. Folks in your field, folks in other fields who have are have not in the past been connected to hip hop yeah. culture, can look at oh well that's a actually that's that's kind of an organic and very seamless intersection yeah. between that culture and what's happening there, and and what I do. There's yeah. benefits, you know. I always like the the report on on freestyling, and you know you get these 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 neuroscientists who were like geeking out on like what happens in the brain when you freestyle yeah you know what i'm saying and plugging folks up to to all sorts of monitors and looking at the brain activity on the screen and saying it's a crazy amount of activity that's happening this is actually brilliant stuff i think i think with that kind of information uh i think there's a lot more natural intersections than we give credit for but it will it will require folks in these other fields to start maybe to get creative in in terms of locating those intersections and then piggybacking off of that interest and figuring out ways to deliver the information you know what
0: I mean awesome yeah if you could change one thing about human health right now after what you've seen what you've been through in life if you could snap your fingers and make one big health change what do you think it would be
1: Oh, man, it would have to be somewhere. It would be <laughs> in the mental capacity, I think. I think that's where it all starts. I think the battlefield is in there. It's in your head, mm-hmm. you know, how you view life, reality, yourself, your community, people, your artistic expression, your value. How you view everything stems to where you put your priorities. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I feel like mental health, and it, you know, it's kind of become like a— a buzzword or a cliche, not even a cliche, but you know, once things become like everybody just is talking about it, just a lot of conversation around it, you know, it's hard not to. I've always been that way. Get get skeptic. You know, what I'm saying like yeah. ah, the popular opinion, the, the masses are talking about this. It's mainstream now. I'm not really interested. But in all actuality, like you know, mental health is a it's it's a real. I think I think yeah, man. Everything stems from your perspective. You know, if your perspective is is wrong about something, ultimately it's going to play into how you carry out and go about living your life and yeah. the decisions you make, what you prioritize, the the lifestyle changes that are healthy or detrimental to. Your life experience, you know what I mean. So, yeah, man, I, I I would say more work in the in the way of mental health, especially with mm-hmm. those who are in power and mm-hmm. those who have a platform. You know, I don't even need to I don't even need to go into detail of why, but you know, it's it's a real thing, man. I think I think there's a lot of pressure around celebrities to be perfect, to be to be infallible, and then when caught in their humanity, almost to Maybe either justify their their wrong or inhumane decisions based upon their place and what the power they believe they have or their influence you know where numbers and follows are real equity you know record sales it was one of those record sales were equity now it's follows are equity views are equity you know if you can utilize those things to boost how you perceive yourself in the gamut of power and it actually fuel you to make inhumane decisions yeah. and then justify them as if you're beyond and above the law—that's borderline crazy, or just yeah. a crazy person. You know what I'm saying? Like that—that's a—that's a mental health issue. Your perspective on you and who you are, and you being. Above laws that are set for everybody, yeah, that's a real imbalance, I feel. You know what I'm saying? So it's at that level, it's in it's in Hollywood, it's in fame, it's in the celebrity sphere, but it's also just at ground level with the rest of us all. You know, how you view yourself and your life and the world around you largely impacts how you go about engaging in it. And I would love to see more work, not just in the in in the extreme, but more on the day-to-day. Like, how do we keep ourselves healthy mentally. Yeah. You know what
0: I mean? Yeah. And that's been one of the challenges. I mean, you're preaching to the choir on on this, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but it is like so much of the mental health challenges we face are on a continuum. Mm. I mean, most of us go around with, you know, some degree of low mood from time to time, Mm -hmm. some degree of maladaptive coping, Mm -hmm. these kinds of things. We might not have what you would classify as a mental illness yet, Right. But we could all use to be a little bit higher on the mental health spectrum mm-hmm. in some way, so I think I get what you're what you're driving at,
1: yeah, like you can be you could be you can adopt unhealthy ideas without being sick, yeah, you absolutely. know what i'm saying like <laughs> i could I could be staying up too late, you know uh eating bad, I mean, I was unhealthy all holiday season, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, I was sluggish, I wasn't working out, I was eating an ab- absorbing amount of like Peppermint bark and, and peanut <laughs> yeah. brittle and this sort of thing. That was unhealthy. I wasn't sick yet. But if I continued in that, yeah, I was sure to get sick. You Absolutely. know what I mean? And I think, yeah, in that continuum, just being able to find balance and be able to recognize when you've you know adopted an idea or a philosophy or a, a disposition that may not pan out so good for your well-being. Yeah. And I think we live in a time where it's hard to make those like definitive statements too because it's what's right for you may not be right for me and folks there's a lot of pushback on shifts in culture that you could say you know what this this might not be so healthy for not only you, but for us all, you know what I'm saying? It's like, well, who are you to say, what's, this is just me living, you know, as, as much kickback, not to get political, but it just as an example, you know, that Michelle Obama got for trying to have some hand in regulating, you know, school lunches, yeah. you know, just as like, well, who are you to tell me what I, what my kids can and cannot eat? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, that's a real thing culturally, yeah. but you know, at, at what point do we start making or or at least informing. I guess I guess making people do something as I have my own beliefs on that too but uh, I feel like informing folks to make better informed decisions about the decisions yeah. they make and just having healthy perspectives on things so they can make proper choices or choices that would benefit them I think that's that's key too you know.
0: I think there's plenty of of compromise space between intruding on personal liberty yeah. and and promoting a healthier community. For
1: sure. For sure. All
0: right. Well, thanks very much for uh, taking the time to speak with us. This is the podcast against disease reaction to the earlier recorded podcast against disease thing with Jose Moore that I did.
2: First off, Cody, oh my gosh, what fun.
0: Yeah, it was a blast.
2: Well, first off, Ozey Moore is an amazing person, as evident by the podcast that he just gave. But also, his voice is so cool.
0: Yeah, it's pretty evident that he's put a lot of time into developing his flow. He, just the, the way he speaks is uh, impressive.
2: It is. It's a freestyling voice. Yeah. Whereas, Cody, you have a podcasting voice.
0: Um, well, hopefully we both do, right? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know. I think I'm just prone to laughing often.
0: Oh, well, you need to spend more time thinking about how life is pain.
2: <laughs> so my big overarching reaction to what you recorded with Ose is thinking about how to bridge what he was saying about community engagement through hip-hop with what we are trying to do and what I'm sure many physicians across the world and many public health experts and many nurses and CNAs and just anyone who's involved in healthcare is trying to do when they get active in their communities. Of course, we know the most about physician-led initiatives, but it just helped me understand maybe what you and I need to do better or do eventually to become sort of disease eradicators all over the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I I thought that I saw a lot of parallels too. I mean, bridging gaps is a big theme across a lot of areas in healthcare. I mean, we've got so many gaps. We've got, you know, allied health and doctors not speaking the same language, yeah. research and practitioners not speaking the same language, and of course, people in the community and people within healthcare not speaking the same language. So it's interesting to see that the theme extends so far outside of medicine. And as you can see with the, all of the above hip hop Academy that they were trying to bridge an entirely different gap being Mm -hmm. the, the generational gap within hip hop, which is equally important Mm -hmm. and may have an even bigger impact because I mean, the reach of that culture is absolutely enormous and is ever growing.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. So, I mean, just some of the things that he offered as advice for how to be successful when he was talking about what kind of support you need, how he said that all of the above Hip Hop Academy was getting support from universities, local government, the mayor, schools, parents. I think that's pretty cool that his organization has been able to get support from so many different realms of human activity and human life.
0: Yeah, and I think it just speaks to the fact that his message is really resonating with a lot of people and that he's really been able to transmit that passion. So I think that as an organization, we in Humanity Against Disease have a lot to learn from him since we're still very much in our nascency.
2: Yes, we're like small, tiny embryos floating in some primordial soup.
0: We're like, yeah, we're like a blastocyst at best.
2: <laughs> and that's just like a tiny collection of cells.
0: As a sidebar, I realized listening to this interview that I apparently use a lot of very pretentious words, so I'm going to try and, try and fix that.
2: <laughs> I'm glad that this is causing you to self-reflect, Cody. That's very important.
0: I also realized how many Gs I cut off my words.
2: <laughs> is that from living in Michigan?
0: <laughs> I think it's from living in Michigan.
2: <laughs> Another thing that really resonated with me was when he was talking about capitalizing on resources that are already there, I think so often people try to just be innovative and be cool and do their own thing where they're not really integrating themselves with what's already available. And then, of course, we're going to run out of resources if people are trying to sort of create them out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, I think that there's a theme of working together there, Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: there's so many opportunities to align with existing forces. I mean, things that have crossed my mind are, I mean, faith-based organizations have been active in communities across the country and across the world since like the dawn of time. Mm -hmm. And I think that charities that ignore that are probably missing out on great resources and great forces for good. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was thinking about how we might be able to tap into that at some point by being a faith neutral organization that doesn't purport to adhere to any specific belief system so that we're not excluding anyone. Mm -hmm. We might be able to find allies in multiple different faiths so that we can have a very inclusive message.
2: Yeah, I like that.
0: And. I mean, by the same token, we we have the opportunity to potentially ally with organizations like all of the above and plug into a hip-hop culture that resonates with a number of different age groups and a culture that is traditionally not one that is well-reached by healthcare outreach. I mean, certainly people have been trying, but due to a lot of the factors that we started to tap into... Mm -hmm. I mean, between cost and access and mistrust, I mean, going back to the Tuskegee syphilis experiments yeah. and those sorts of things, The I'm not trying to conflate hip-hop communities with African-American communities 100%, but certainly there's some overlap there. Mm-hmm. And there's every reason for African-American communities to mistrust the healthcare profession after some of the awful things that have been inflicted upon that community in the past, even by uh, Johns Hopkins, which now is, of course, trying to be a little bit less shady.
2: <laughs> totally agree. Those are still very uh, palpable sentiments that people have uh, even today. When I served uh, jury duty in, in the city of Baltimore just a couple months ago, somebody brought that up during our deliberations and suggested that doctors were experimenting on the person who was filing the lawsuit And that was something that I thought was just something that we read about until one of my fellow jurors told me that. And then I was like, whoa, this is super real and super present today.
0: Yeah. And it is wild. It's hard not to be offended when you're you're coming in from the physician side and you're hearing somebody accuse you of experimenting on them. And it's like, I'm doing what's in the textbook. And (laughs) this basically hasn't changed in 40 years. So this is about as far as you can get from experimenting. (laughs) But on the other hand, you don't necessarily have all these reasons to trust me either. So yeah, yeah.
2: we're super shady as doctors. Absolutely. And I mean, there are so many bad physicians out there as there are so many good ones, but that's kind of the same way in every field, right? There's probably the same number of good and bad people in hip hop culture or anything else.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I feel like there's so many opportunities. I guess we might be running off into the woods a little bit, but I'm really interested in one day trying to address some of these sources of mistrust, like maybe diving a little bit into the opioid epidemic and maybe who's to blame there. Could yeah. be. because certainly physicians are not blameless, but there was a lot of miscommunication and intentional misleading in terms of like what the risks and benefits of opioids were. Oh, yeah. And that, of course, tarnished our reputation and caused an incredible amount of public harm that's still being sorted through right now.
2: Yeah, that's so true. The ramifications were huge for what we were doing. It, I'm, to continue on this sort of aside that we're going on, just yesterday I was thinking about how you know, it's often hard for people who have chronic pain and some degree of dependence on opiates to feel okay, sometimes it's hard for them to get these prescriptions because they have to come in every so often every month to pick up this prescription. Sometimes they have to give a urine test. And it just made me think that I know all of these are sort of safeguards, but, you know, people always suggest that, oh, we've gone too far the other way. And I thought, you know, this is reasonable, but what if somebody really is struggling to get to and from clinic and they can't come to all these, you know, this frequently? What if one day they have uncontrolled pain, they're withdrawing, they haven't been able to make it to clinic and then, you know, they start using something stronger or whatever, just because it's part of their disorder.
0: Yeah. That's a, a real struggle because I mean, every, every barrier you put in place really has the chance to sabotage care. I mean, I think we've all been in that place where even going and getting the extra lab, if it requires a trip to an additional location, yeah, means that we're just not going to do that thing. Yeah. And I mean, I've been there as somebody who's now a doctor and presumably cares about these things. (laughs) So I can only imagine how it hits people who feel that healthcare is the business of outsiders and is not something that they're passionate about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That was another thing that Jose brought up that really resonated with me, where he was talking about how working in the community is essentially an extension of his artistic expression and sort of his value system. I think this is sort of similar to the value system that a lot of people go into medicine with, where naturally the extension of wanting to help other people and learn about the human body is to do that in a sort of community-based, more common, everyday, population-based way, And then I think something happens to where we either get so busy or so wrapped up in the here and the now that we forget to, to extend beyond ourselves and do that extra bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that is one of the major sources of all this burnout and moral injury business that's going on in medicine is that we usually get into it because we care about communities and health and wanting to make a difference. Mm -hmm. But we find that there are so many barriers and our hands are tied in so many ways that it gets really far from just the the transaction of one person trying to use their knowledge and skill to lessen the suffering of another human being. And it gets to the point where it's all about documentation and compliance and billing and all these sorts of things. And I can see where a lot of people get very disillusioned. I mean, there's layers upon layers that we'll hopefully be able to go into as Mm -hmm. the podcast continues, but it becomes incredibly frustrating because, I mean, as I was remarking to one of my uh, colleagues at the ward today, the work I actually believe in, in an ordinary week, (laughs) I could probably pack into a, an eight hour day, if that. And most of the rest of what I do is either being available for emergencies, which to a certain extent I believe in, or dealing with logistical hurdles, whether it's seeking out records, whether it is attending lectures, which can be beneficial, but of course doesn't have any direct benefit to patients. And a lot of it is either documenting things or taking actions to obtain other documents and just dancing (laughs) around the system that is way more complicated than it needs to be.
2: Absolutely. And it's
0: just incredibly frustrating.
2: Absolutely. Cody, now I'm going to flatter you a little bit and say that I was really impressed by something that you said where you talked about how when you and Oze were talking about third spaces and communities, how you said we should focus on making instead of consuming.
0: Yeah, I think that that's something I'd really like to explore more because it's becoming more of a a cultural phenomenon. I think there are things like make spaces and maker fairs. And I love, love, love the idea of these YMCAs, as Jose put it for things other than just physical fitness. Now, not to, not to talk down about physical fitness as a passion, but if your passion is hip hop, if your passion is some other form of music, if your passion is woodworking or farming or anything, to have access to those resources in a shared space could be so cool and so positive. And I think we're getting to a place where people are ready for that because the information is readily available in the form Mm -hmm. of the internet. I mean, you can go find out how to be a blacksmith online for nothing more than the cost of an internet connection or, you know, figuring out a way to get to a public library. But finding access to a forage if that was your passion is significantly more complicated so i think we just need to get to a place where the physical resources can catch up to the information resources and then in many ways we'd be in a, a real renaissance type time you know
2: yeah that'd be amazing
0: yeah, and there's no reason it's not possible. It's just something that we need to make a priority as our communities uh, sort of develop. And and as we start to, to urbanize, I think that's going to be absolutely critical because one of the things that, that I find intimidating about potentially living in a city and having less space of my own is that I'm going to need to find spaces where I can make things and where I can pursue activities if I don't have place to put my stuff you know
2: yeah that's so true it makes me think about how in college my last year my senior year my university set aside one sort of university building that was kind of abandoned and they turned it into this giant art space Mm -hmm. so there was mirrors and bars for dancing there was a ceramic studio there was painting spaces and it was so cool to walk in there. You just instantly felt this rush of creativity when you walked in because there were so many different people doing so many different things, but all doing things that made them happy and collaborating and being inspired by each other.
0: Yeah. And that just strikes me as super like utopian, I guess. Yeah. The, the only challenge to that is how do, you, how do you regulate it and how do you avoid the, both the tragedy of the commons with like people stealing crap? <laughs> or uh, Or just people abusing the resource, or people breaking things or not respecting it, so it becomes a delicate balance in that we we also have to have a culture that respects the shared properties. I mean, we lost the bike share in Baltimore because people were apparently taking them <laughs> and like throwing them in the in the Chesapeake Bay, <laughs> so you got to think back to like, this is why we can't have nice things, and what are we going to do about that?
2: That's true. Very true, very true. We're getting really excited and idealistic, but we also have to be very reasonable.
0: Oh, I think we should just go with pure idealism. Idealism plus fury. <laughs> and I don't know, we'll press through it.
2: I think idealism plus fury does get people a pretty far, far away in achieving their goals. So you're not wrong. The next thing that I really liked that Ose talked about is when he was talking about how do physicians get out of the hospital? That was your question, of course. And then he told us that we should collaborate more with other people, connect with what people are already doing, and find tasteful ways to do it. Which I think he kind of highlights three really important things. That one, we just have to go out and work with people. Next, we have to sort of join along with things that are already happening instead of maybe trying to create new things from scratch or create things that are perfectly aligned with what we want to do. And then finding tasteful ways to do it. I'm sure there are so many non-tasteful ways that people have tried to change the health of a community.
0: Yeah, it really does have to synergize with values and you can't just like inflict it upon people. Like, I think it was really interesting that Jose brought up the, the efforts that Michelle Obama made, and I think that she had a really great approach overall, mm-hmm. but even that didn't come off, in my experience, as heavy-handed, but even that level of saying you should do this met with so much pushback, Yeah, and that's, that's a big challenge because a lot of things that are healthy are inherently less fun than, than indulging <laughs> yeah. in unhealthy behavior. Because, you know, radishes are never going to stack up favorably next to, like, cupcakes. Yeah. And that's just life, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> that kind of brings me to his point where, or where you both kind of talked about how you, you have to strive to continue informing people to make better decisions for themselves. But you really can't just tell somebody, oh, you have to start doing this. You just have to give them the information and give them that opportunity to do something about it.
0: Yeah. And this is where I think we've got big problems in healthcare as a whole. I was speaking with my attending on the pain service downtown, and there is a a really innovative clinic model there uh, called the Amos Clinic, where they only see patients with unusual GI problems that tend to be associated with chronic pain, but are generally not very well understood or explained. Mm-hmm. And it's super multidisciplinary. There's like GI people, mm-hmm. neurologic people, psychiatry people,
2: wow,
0: uh, social work, and all these people in a room. And there's no way to bill for that. That's, but the, these patients wouldn't actually get better under the traditional model because they'd spend so much time getting ping-ponged back and forth and they don't yeah. fit neatly into any box. So by the same token... I think we really need to step back and figure out how we can get hospitals and health systems compensated for promoting community health. Because, I mean, in my opinion, my time is probably better spent speaking to like a bunch of teenagers about bullying on a given day, maybe, Mm -hmm. than sitting, waiting for an admission to come in if I'm spending this, you know, the same four hours one way or the other. But there's no way for, like if I was an independent physician, there's no way for me to really pay my own bills and move my career forward doing that sort of thing. And we, I think, have to find ways to prioritize that if we want that to happen. Yeah. So maybe we need to get some politicians on the show.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, Cody, I have a question for you kind of inspired by the what we've heard. What is your vision of how you would want to integrate into your community in a non-medical way. And I can tell you mine that helps jog your memory.
0: Yeah, why don't let's hear yours.
2: So I, when I was growing up, I played soccer and I also was involved in this children's sort of creativity competition called Odyssey of the Mind. And I did that too. Oh my gosh. My mom was, was... an
0: OM coach. Oh
2: my gosh, that's amazing. Ah! <laughs> Okay, okay. we we'll probably have to do a podcast on Odyssey of the Mind because I think it's legit amazing. Is it still a thing? Oh yeah. Okay, we, we should sign up to be judges.
0: Dude, that'd be pretty cool. Okay, we could slap our labeling all over everything and be like,
2: "Oh and my gosh, wear you guys funny hats!" To...
0: But our hats are already better than funny hats.
2: Oh, true, true. Um, we can act wild. All right. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. We have so much to talk about off the air, but I think my favorite thing to do when I'm an adult and grown and have a career and live in a community. I think I want to be a soccer coach and just help people have fun playing soccer like my coaches did for me growing up. They were just parents or people in the community and they had such an impact on me. And then, and or be an OM coach or judge because I feel like those were also people in my life who completely encouraged me to be wild and wacky and think outside the box and just they were willing to roll with any ideas that we had as kids. So I think both of those is how I'd want to be involved in the community, regardless of what else I do.
0: Cool. Those sound like awesome ideas. I think for me, it's going to have to be Tai Chi. I mean, that was the... Oh, yeah. For for a long time, and maybe even still now, one of my biggest things... At one point, I read in a book that like if you haven't done something for humanity before you die, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's a I'm good paraphrasing, quote. but I was like, well, what have I done? Cause I've spent a lot of time getting educated and whatnot. But yeah, the, the one thing I could point to where I was like, okay, I probably did something good for somebody was teaching Tai Chi while I was an undergrad at a community center called Geyer community center in mm-hmm. Lansing, Michigan. And I set the rate super low. So anybody could show up and mm-hmm. learn. It was like $15 for, an eight week session or something like that, where it literally was like, I think people were calling in and say like, is this a mistake? (laughs) But I didn't have a lot of experience teaching. So I also felt that charging a bunch of money would be bad. But then the other bit was I didn't keep any of the money. And I told everybody that up front, it was all going to this scholarship fund. So someone was able to go to summer camp. So somewhere somebody went presumably to nature from Lansing who wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise.
2: That's awesome.
0: And to be able to do that where I felt like I was reaching directly the people I was teaching and also doing Mm -hmm. something good beyond that, it felt like a a solid contribution. And I'd love to keep doing that, especially since Tai Chi reaches such a wide group of people. I mean, you've got the elderly who can benefit from Mm -hmm. it all the way down to children who can benefit from the mindfulness Mm -hmm. and the... um, the ability to integrate it into their toolbox of coping skills.
2: That's awesome. Well, I think that in a way is a cool example of how we can engage in our communities using things that are already present and doing it in a tasteful and creative way. Because none of these things are specifically, hey, let me improve your health and this is what I'm going to do because I'm a doctor but it's kind of like, hey, I'm really interested in this and I'm passionate and I want you guys to benefit from my expertise and passion for this area.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things that I really respect about what Jose Moore is doing with all of the above is that the buy-in is all right there. I mean, I was thinking back and trying to put myself in those shoes and if something like that had existed and was accessible to me, granted, I'm not going to pretend that I was up on hip hop. I was far too rural to be well integrated into (laughs) that scene at the time, but the appeal is definitely there. I mean, I can imagine wanting to be able to develop these really flashy skills that take a lot of talent objectively to pull off and to just incidentally develop all these mental and physical benefits uh, on the way is pretty cool. Yeah, And it's not like it's hidden, right? Like nobody's showing up to say like, Oh, I want to learn how to rap so that I can expand my brain. I mean, maybe somebody's thinking that way, but I think most people want to perform so that they can perform and so that they can reach people so they can express themselves so they can create. And that I think has a lot more sticking power than just grinding things out because somebody said it was good for you.
2: Yeah. It's so true. I think, the way that we need to attack health is to be creative and make it fun and make it engaging in something to where people have to buy into what we're doing because they want to.
0: Yeah. And speaking of engaging, hey, listeners out there <laughs> to whose pods we are casting, we want to hear your stories about how you have integrated healthy habits into your lifestyle i want to hear about your mentors that have taught you how to be healthier and brought it to you in a way that was seamless or what are the ways your culture has made you a better person mentally and physically and you know what might people benefit from that they're not necessarily thinking about right now how how can we get people away from couch potato dumb and into reasonable standard of health and fitness land while also letting everybody be their own unique person and have their nerd culture and their hip-hop culture and their let's say hick culture what else do we got cast
2: iron cooking culture there
0: you go that's all the types of people there are right did we cover them all i think so okay
2: yeah i totally agree with cody please get in touch with us number one we want to engage with whoever is out there including poland Yes, Poland! (laughs) We have some listeners in Poland. (laughs) We want to engage with you guys. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to answer your questions. We want to ask you guys questions and learn from you guys because we're obviously not experts in most things. And we really want to create this sort of robust community of discussion. I know these are like big words that people throw around all the time and it sounds so gimmicky, but we really do want to connect in a real way, as Jose was saying.
0: Well, that's all I got for now. Do you have any things?
2: No, let's just plug away, like, we're electrical sockets.
0: Let's do that. So, people should send us emails, tweets, Instagrams, all these things.
2: Yes. Instagram is against disease. Email is against disease at gmail.com. dot hmm Facebook, you look up Against Disease.
0: Or just, yeah, Humanity Against Disease, I think.
2: Yeah, you Google Humanity Against Disease for our website. And is that all of... Oh, and then what's Twitter?
0: Twitter is uh, at Against Disease.
2: Wow, they're all pretty similar. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty... Hopefully pretty easy to find at this point. And if you are listening to this, then you already found us in podcast land. If you guys like the show um, and you review us that would be awesome we're trying to get more reviews and more ratings so that we can kind of climb the the charts and reach more people so that would be a huge help to us if you think this is the sort of thing other people might want to hear
2: and if it's not then tell us what we should do because we're still very open
0: yeah because if you, if you drop us on the one-star bomb and write us a scathing review, then it will harm our self-esteem, but <laughs> it might be less constructive.
2: <laughs> we might overdose on chips.
0: Yeah. And that would, be, uh, that would be bad for us, although we have not yet covered the harms of salt. That might come someday. That's a complicated topic.
2: That is. But we'll do it. Because we're here.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And that's kind of everything.
0: That is kind of everything. All right. Bam.